When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Dominic Booth and I'm delighted to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst. How are you, Samuel? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. Um, not so good for Manchester United, though, after Tuesday night and their Champions League exit at the hands of RB Leipzig. 3-2 defeat for United on the night, which consigns them to third place in the group and the dreaded Europa League last 32. Um, we're sure we'll get on to the merits and wherefores of the Europa League later, but let's concentrate on what happened uh, against Leipzig. United obviously going 2-0 down fairly quickly in the game, labouring really to get back into it, uh, conceding a third goal and then a belated comeback. Uh, Samuel, it was, it was lost really in that opening section of the game, wasn't it? And the way United set up, it, it all just seemed so negative and they allowed Leipzig to, to dominate the game. Yeah, I mean, my intro was the the lucky generals luck ran out. I thought the weekend that was that was a win against West Ham more by luck than judgment in terms of the manner of a couple of the substitutions, the ball going out of play uh, for Pogba's goal as well. Just you know, with with the Leipzig game, what I couldn't really it, it was one of those that again when we're asked for our predictions, um, it's sometimes it's usually a day in advance. If you'd asked me to predict the result when the team sheets dropped. I'd have said that Leipzig would win because United were just too defensive-minded. Solskjaer's selections were a contradiction of what he'd said the day before, which was that we're, we're going there for the win. It's it's amazing how the presence of one player can change the whole perception of the lineup, And I think that was the problem with the inclusion of Matic in midfield with Scott McTominay, which w- wasn't a massive surprise. I think United are always going to go with the back three because Leipzig have been so good at home this season. They're so intense um, that formation the back three has served Solskjaer very well previously not just this season against PSG but last season against Chelsea and City I thought the formation was understandable and the majority of the personnel um, you know, I think you could have probably picked nine out of the 11 starters in, in that game last night but the presence of Matic just gave it a very very different look in the when they had Fred against PSG they had a link there between the defence and the attack, someone who would actually play balls between the lines um, to free up Fernandes. And then you had Marsh and Rashford ahead of him. So they had something going there. Against Leipzig, Matic was never, ever going to do that. And the plan goes out the window as soon as Angelino scores, because United are clearly banking on taking the lead in that game. They're not, you know, if, if they go 1-0 down, they're in big, big trouble. And that's exactly what happened. It got worse than that. And he didn't change anything until uh, the second half with, with Van Der Beek coming on for Tellers. There was not even, I don't think there was even a formation change in the first half, which was remarkable given the gravity of the situation. And I just think with Matic coming in, it was almost comparable to Jisung Park starting in the April 2012 derby. I think Park hadn't started a game for about two months and all of a sudden because the league's on the line, Ferguson goes to City and effectively plays for a draw. 
and doesn't get the result and City win the league. And I think that's pretty much what Solskjaer did. The team was geared up to grind out a draw against Leipzig, um, but they didn't. They went out in the Champions League and although there was that enthralling finale, it, it, I mean, in some ways, look, I think every when you cover United, you do want them to succeed just from a professional perspective. It makes your life a lot easier, but it really would have been a, a, a betrayal of the performance last night had they somehow got through, had that late sliding attempted clearance actually gone through the keeper's legs and gone in for a known goal. Um, it, it really would have begged belief had they gone through. And when you've got eight defensive-minded players on a pitch going into a game, it just sends out the wrong message. And I think Leipzig just seized upon that immediately. They pulled United from left to right like they were pinballs in a puzzle. And it, it could have eased, it really should have been a more comprehensive victory than it was, I think. If anything, the the whole that double substitution, Fos who mentioned to Nzibi coming on at the end, it almost had a reverse psychology uh, effect because Leipzig clearly thought, well, United have clearly thrown in the towel here, and all of a sudden the irony of two defenders coming on is that it sparks a goal glut, and you know Leipzig almost throw it away. But as I said, it really would have um, it would have been an inaccurate reflection if United had gone through ahead of them. Yeah, I think I've just written a piece comparing those two late substitutions to Louis van Gaal's moment with Nick Powell at Wolfsburg five years ago, which was actually five years exactly to the day. Another 3-2 <laughs> defeat in Germany. Just a bizarre thinking from the United manager, wasn't it? Yeah, and with I think going back to that Wolfsburg game, they had a lot of players out injured. It was during one of those infamous injury crises on the van Gaal. And some of the selections were forced upon him. Bringing Nick Powell along was was certainly not forced upon him. And I think Powell actually came on at the week, the, the next game in the weekend against Bournemouth, which they they also lost because it was that sequence of four straight defeats and a winless December that Van Gaal somehow um, survived. But with the two and Zebi for post immense ones, I think there was so so much going on last night. The fact that United lost, the fact that David de Gea was so feeble um, in, in coming out to Justin Cliver in that Paul Pogba came on after what Mina Riley had said on Monday and, and Pogba, let, let's face it, he was he was one of the best players on the pitch for United. Um, he, he almost single-handedly was responsible for that comeback. So th- those two substitutions late on, they, they have made for a more reflective piece the day after when the dust has settled because I think everybody, when that happened at the time, they must have been turning to whoever they were sat next to in disbelief or, you know, even if you weren't sat next to someone at home, turning to your dog in disbelief and saying, what the hell is he playing at here? Uh, it, it was very, very bizarre. And as I said, the, the irony of it was that they, they scored two goals after that. I, I just suspect that Leipzig saw Fakir Sumenso and Z be coming on, Solskjaer resting players for the derby seemingly, and they just thought, well, this is this is game over here. They've they've thrown in the towel, but all of a sudden it became a contest. Yeah, that was it. Was interesting that it was Pogba, the last player that United fans and the United themselves would have actually wanted to turn the game round on, on its head. But I guess such is his ability. And United are facing a very very difficult situation now. I mean, some some might say it's actually easy, but I guess with every Pogba performance like this, it will cast questions over the rest of the squad and and whether United should have done things differently with Pogba in the past. But how do you see it now with these latest Raiola comments and, and what United should do? Should they just forget about Pogba really now? 
Well, my, my dad of all people made a, a pretty salient point about Pogba's goal at West Ham when he said Fred will never do that. And he's right. Yet the, the counterpoint, of course, is that Fred, as we saw last night, was was much missed again by United. And if Fred is fit, he starts, and, and rightly so. And it's a classic case that the best players don't make for the best team. But with Pogba there, I think there's a silent acceptance at United that it hasn't worked out and it is coming to an end. Uh, I think they would have probably seen the end being next summer. But then Raya has come out and said that he, he, he wants to move Pogba on in January. Um, I mean, there were some pretty obvious stumbling blocks to that. One is that however much Pogba's stock has fallen, I still don't see a scenario where a club on the continent comes anywhere near to what United want for him in terms of a fee. I think if if he's to be sold, it's it might have to be a fee plus a player. And when you get into that territory, it, it's very, very difficult to surmise who that player would be at a certain club. I mean, the two obvious teams that he, he's always linked with or he would certainly relish would go into a Real Madrid and Juventus. The caveats there are that Zindine Zidane is on you know, very, very shaky ground at Real Madrid, given how badly they're doing in the Champions League and how badly they're doing in La Liga. And Juventus just cannot afford him in a straight cash deal, um, even if he was worth about, I don't know, say United would have accept, would accept 60 million. From what I've been told, Juventus cannot afford that. So um, you'd think Raiola's got some, some irons in the fire already and has an idea of where Pogba could be next month if a deal was to happen but it still seems quite fanciful for someone who will have 18 months on their contract irrespective of their situation at United I mean all, all the cards are stacked against him in the or for him I should say in that by virtue of his stock being at the lowest it has ever been in his career I think it's fair to say it does somehow make him more sellable and the fact that he wants out his agent wants him out there's an acceptance from United that he has got to go next year. He's not a first-teamer under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer anymore either. You'd think he is sellable, but the trouble is there's been a pandemic and, I mean, Real Madrid didn't spend a penny in the summer. I don't think they were necessarily banking on spending in January either. You see a lot of pundits saying this manager or that manager need to spend in January, but it's far easier said than done. It's such a complex market still because of the pandemic. And there's still so much uncertainty around that. And United said on their last investors call that um, the ramifications of the pandemic are going to be felt well into next year. So although United, I think, might welcome the money for Pogba, I, I just don't see them getting anywhere near the amount that they would deem acceptable. I mean, it's, it's so difficult to even estimate how much he's worth at the moment because of Everything I've just said, factoring in his, his stock, his, his bench warming status, his, um, his age, his contracts, uh, all of that, even throwing in his marketability in there, it doesn't really take him up that much because, again, there's been a pandemic and it's just depressed the market so, um, so, so much. So, look, I think I think part of United might feel just as a principle after what Raoli said, no, we're not going to. You know, out to you and let you get your way in January. You can sell him next summer when that suits us best. But given the circus that surrounds Pogba, um, and, and look, 
there have been some very naive fans who have come out and said, well, he's not said it, his agent said it, but they still don't realise that what Raiola says is what Pogba says effectively. He is speaking on his behalf. And Pogba's silence has been deafening again. He's got all his social media channels where he can um, post something denouncing what Raiola has said. He's not done that. There's not been an invite to any of the journalists to come to speak to him at Carrington or outside Carrington if we're not allowed in. It's pretty obvious that what Raiola has said is what Pogba wants. And this is just going to roll on and on and on. And it is going to have a destabilising impact. And it's also pretty humiliating for United that this player who has patently wanted out of the club for upwards of two years was the one who came on in a crunch Champions League tie and almost you know, turned the game around for them. So I think they've just got to turn the page. There are a lot of players at the club, those closest to Pogba, who accept that you know he, he wants to leave, their understanding of it. And I mean, I was told this close to a year ago now, those those particular players thought it was in the best interests of the club that he was allowed to leave. And I think he would have left in the summer had uh, the coronavirus pandemic not swept across Europe. Yeah, it seems like we are reaching the end point now. But is it? it's almost tricky for Solskjaer, though. He obviously he called Pogba on in a dire, desperate situation at Leipzig because he, he needed a spark. That's almost something... From my point of view, I think maybe Solskjaer should stop doing in the next coming months and, and not to, to pander to Pogba and to try and plan for a future without him. But, you know, if United are 2-0 down the derby or something at the weekend, he'll probably bring Pogba on again and that might keep repeating itself until the summer. Is that viable? Is that Solskjaer just protecting himself or should Solskjaer be a bit more principled? I I actually think it's got to the point where he's got to be principled, even though you are you are literally weakening yourself by taking Pogba completely out of the equation. It, it is slightly similar to the Ertzil situation at Arsenal. Um, I don't think that would be as I, I don't think the Pogba situation, even though he's even though Raiola has has said what he said, I don't think that's been, that would become as tawdry as the Ertzil one has at Arsenal. Ertzel is playing Arsenal fans like an absolute fiddle with um, his his tweeting, or I should say his advisor's tweets on his behalf, you know, um, trying to banter off Piers Morgan and making his match day predictions. Look, I, I know it was quite unedifying the way um, Arsenal or Arteta has gone about uh, bombing out Ertzel and, you know, there, there is there's some very complex politics behind it and Ertzel's support. Um, of Muslims in a certain territory of the world, which is very principled. On the other hand, um, President Erdogan of Turkey was Ertel's best man at his wedding, and he's not exactly squeaky clean either. But it's it's as if there are no shades of grey with the Ertel situation. You're either with Arteta or against him regarding his treatment of Ertel. As far as my, my opinion on it is that Ertel has not been world-class in maybe six years and is an overpaid luxury who pretty much tossed it off as soon as he got um, that big contract in 2018, which he only got, let's face it, because Arsenal... Because Sanchez went to Sanchez. United, yeah. yeah. So they Arsenal couldn't afford to let both of them go just as a point of principle. So Ertzel was the one who got the pay rise. If it was Ertzel going in January, maybe Sanchez would have got the, the huge pay rise, um, even though it always seemed inevitable Sanchez was going to go. So I don't think as bad... 
as it has got at times with Raiola, that it can become as polarising as the Ertzel situation has with Arsenal, even though Raiola has shown himself he's he, he is prone to the odd Twitter tirade against Solskjaer or Ed Woodward or Paul Scholes or Gary Neville, whoever it may be that's that's insulted him. Um, you know, Pogba has to some extent kept his counsel. He's again, he's there've been some unedifying moments from him, like reveling in Mourinho sacking. Um, but he's he's very very particular about when he speaks after a game, and I, I was pretty convinced he was never going to talk after last night's game unless you know. I suppose he came on and if, if United had got through, then he might have been inclined to speak. But given what his manager, sorry, um, his his advisor and friend had said the previous day, I think he was always going to go to keep mum over that. And we don't have the opportunity to speak to Pogba because mixed zones are out of bounds at, at games at the moment. United have shielded him from the media for two years. I think the last time he did a press conference was in Turin on the eve of the Juventus game in November 2018. And that's because Mourinho said, you know, pretty much Mourinho picked those players and there was always a purpose for picking those players. And in Pogba's case, it was to quell speculation surrounding his future um, because he was back on you know, home territory, if you like, in, in Turin. So Solskjaer keeps saying to us, you know, you'll have to ask Paul that, but you know, we'd love to ask to get the chance, that, yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't get the chance. So, you know, I think everybody would happily uh, queue outside uh, Carrington if there was an opportunity to speak to Pogba, but we're not we've not been uh, invited to. No, it seems like a it's a smoke and mirrors situation often, isn't it? And and Raiola's comments seem to be the only uh, direction that United fans get, and it just angers people time and time again. But we'll have to see how that one maps out. Another thing you, you touched upon uh, early on in the podcast when you said how many talking points there were from the Leipzig game, and uh, you're absolutely right. The, the David de Gea situation again sprung sprung its head. We've seen Dean Henderson come in for a couple of games, obviously made his league debut. Um, that probably played the pass of the season that went out of play at West Ham that led to a crucial goal. But De Gea obviously making that mistake for the, the Justin Clybert goal, it, it seems like every error he makes now just, just invites more scrutiny. And I've been saying this for a while, I keep thinking that the big decision is around the corner, but this time it might be, do you think? It really wouldn't surprise me still if De Gea starts in the derby because no. of the magnitude of the game and how unwaveringly loyal Solskjaer has been to him. But he really could have nipped this in the bud if at the start of the season he said to Henderson, right, you're going in. We we recognise you as the best goalkeeper at the club, which I think he is. I think if you're just judging um, the goalkeepers on ability, on form, then Henderson is above De Gea. De Gea's form has been problematic for the best part of, of two years. And unfortunately for him, he was he was having a reasonably serene season or, or personal season anyway, in that although United were conceding, shipping a lot of goals, um, he wasn't directly blameworthy for any. But then that Basak-Sahir free kick, he misjudged, thinking it was going to be taken by a right foot and it was a left footer. And that's just, you know, triggered a, a, a glut of errors, really. Um I think Paul Scholes was quite correct in his um, description of De Gea bossing it against Justin Clive. That the more you see it, the worse it gets. In that he's just not very brave. And I think there was there was certainly some questions um, not asked of him, but certainly you know just 
asked rhetorically at United as to the extent of his injury at Southampton in the, the following day he did train at Carrington and then of course he was playing three days later after that Southampton game against PSG um, it, it just gives the impression that he's, he's he's not particularly brave which is not a good look for a goalkeeper and there are still uh, generations of United fans who remember Pete Schmeichel throwing himself at the ball and putting himself in harm's way. And De Gea, unfortunately, in the last few games has resembled the, the De Gea of the first six months that he's very worse at United. I just think that there has to be a time now to, to turn the page, to, to give Henderson a chance, to give him a run of games. Henderson was pretty amazed that he didn't play against West Brom or uh, Basak Sahir in the home games last month. And he, he's certainly not been shy in expressing his opinion to Solskjaer from what I've been told, that he should get a run of games as well. Uh, there's there's no way he'd have signed a five-year contract if he didn't expect to be um, recognised as the num- number one sooner rather than later. And I know Solskjaer said the other week that it's not his job to keep players happy, but that is an essence of management in any walk of life. You, you have got to keep um, your employees happy. And as January looms, he has got to keep Henderson on side because otherwise he's going to agitate for a loan and then Solskjaer faces the humiliation of bowing to Henderson's wishes because he's got a player unsettled and calling Sergio Romero in from the cold, who was bombed out of the Premier League and Champions League squads and whose wife went on a tirade against United on deadline day. So it's it's an invidious position for Solskjaer to be in. And the obvious solution to it, as much as it might upset De Gea, is to drop him because he deserves to be dropped. Yeah, exactly. And... Like you say, there's, there's big decisions here that, that Solskjaer needs to make on, on two big earners at United in De Gea and, and Pogba. And it does sort of feel like he's been been putting them off for a little bit. And he, obviously Solskjaer is, is known for, for ticking the boxes in his press conferences and for saying the right things. But do you think he needs to come out on, on both these issues really and, and do something quite decisive? Will that sort of turn the tide in his favour among the fans? I, I think it would. Um but obviously he's always going to be judged on results but i think there are there is a section of the fan base that would appreciate him you know making very strong decisions with with De Gea and Pogba i mean i've, I've written a story today that again it's it just echoes kind of what i've previously been told but it's it's resurfaced because of the situation the the, the majority of united players think that one of the key changes that needs to be made is for um, for Pogba to be allowed to leave because it, it, there's just an understanding there. There's an acceptance that it hasn't worked out. He wants to be elsewhere. It's, it is a distraction. I know Rio Fernand and Paul Scholes with Owen Hargreaves were debating last night about how distracted a dressing room can be by whether a player wants to stay or not, um, especially if it's a star player. And they you know, hark back to the, the Rooney situation 10 years ago. And I think you only need to read, I mean, Gary Neville did his autobiography not even a year after that, that ruining week, if you like, when he, he fluffs his eyelashes at, way, at Manchester City. He released that statement on the eve of a Champions League game, questioning the club's ambition. And then a couple of days later, he, he signed a new contract. And you only had to read Neville's book to realise how big an issue it was at the club and inside the dressing room it's not like they zone out and they go off and play golf or they go to you know a cafe in Hale and and completely switch off 
they, they like gossip they like gossiping about these things as much as anyone and i know that generations have changed and united don't have that seasoned um homegrown contingent of neville skulls and gigs as they did back then but they have still got players in that squad that are interested in Pogba's situation because they like him personally and professionally um he's, he's a valued teammate from what i'm told the players at the club still regard him as the best player in the squad as well, which I know a lot of United fans wouldn't see it as that way, but he's that popular figure at the club that they there's an element of not looking out for him as such, but kind of you know wanting him to get what he wants in, in a way in going to Madrid because it does it is what he wants. Um, his his wife's a Spanish speaker. She's from Bolivia. He's a fluent Spanish speaker. His idol's the coach at Real Madrid. Why wouldn't he want to go to Real Madrid? It's it's perfectly understandable for that. And they look upon that decision whenever it does come, be it next month or in the summer, as being in the best interest not just Pogba but for the club because of course they want United to. Um, prosper without Pogba even though technically they would probably be a weaker side and there is a contingent um, a a contingent in the squad that also think that Henderson deserves um, a run in the team and I'd imagine that's that's probably some of the younger players who and and maybe the the British players rather than those who De Gea is more friendly with uh, like Juan Mata but it's it's still a justifiable um, issue for Solskjaer to, to to address in the you know you've got a goalkeeper there who's not playing well, whose form has been problematic for a long long time, whose form has got worse since he signed the big contract, and you've got a 23 year old who's hungry, who is determined to improve, and if he's not going to get playing time at Manchester United, he wants to be somewhere else on loan next month because he wants to be number one for England at the Euros. So I think however rudderless United look at times in terms of a lack of leaders in the squad, um, they're not they're not daft. They know that there are some key decisions that Solskjaer needs to take to get the team up and running again. And they involve two of the star players in De Gea and Pogba. Yeah, absolutely. And no doubt these two issues will will keep rearing their heads over the, the coming weeks and months, and especially uh, with a small matter of the Manchester derby uh, on Saturday. We're 25 minutes into this, and I haven't even mentioned the fact that there's a Manchester derby uh, in a couple of days' time, Sammy, which seems completely odd. And in normal circumstances, it would dominate the entire week, wouldn't it? But it's it's just another another notch of pressure, really, onto, onto Solskjaer. He's going to have to get things right this weekend. And if he doesn't, it really will... Um, you know, you'll get these pundits and you'll get the fans calling for, for Solskjaer out, whether that's for, for right or for wrong. It, it just feels like an enormous game for him now. It is. And it was always going to be an enormous game, but particularly after the Leipzig result and performance, um, I think what's maybe a bit ominous for Solskjaer is that last year he had it in him to pull out, pull a rabbit out of the hat. You know, they, they, they had a very good big game record. They beat Tottenham and City in in that first week of December, this is a slightly this is a similar situation, and they've they've lost the Leipzig game, and obviously City. I don't think anybody would argue with the fact that City are still a far better side than United, and um, it's it's just going to be a very strange derby as well because no, no supporters going to be present, 
Um, but United's big game record this season um, is, is is not very good at all. They, they were trounced by Tottenham. They lost at home to Arsenal. Uh, there was that forgettable draw with Chelsea. I suppose that what kind of summarises this this team um, pretty succinctly is that they they beat PSG in Leipzig very, very impressively, but then they lost the last two games of their group to PSG and Leipzig when they only needed a point. And I think we all get fed up of using the word inconsistent in relation to United, but that is that is what they are. Um, so with, with the City game, look, I, I don't think it's one of those games that if they lose it, um, that Solskjaer's hauled into Carrington on Monday morning and is is told that you know, he so his services are no longer required unless they get thumped, I don't know, maybe six nil, in which case I think you wouldn't be surprised if if, if he is dismissed. But it, it is a crucial, crucial period. The trouble I think with this week is that if you had to pick the game for United to prevail in, it probably would have been the Champions League one, because as unlikely as it would have been to see United win the Champions League. I think they had more scope to do something in that competition than the Premier League. I think the Champions League seems so wide open this year, a little bit like the Premier League, but more so in the Champions League, that it's it's right for a team to you know, go go through the knockout stages and somehow end up in, in the final um, against all odds and I think United had it in them to do that and, and particularly the way they went about some of the games in the group stages but then come the end game they um, they botched it and with the Premier League yes it is open and United are in a pretty auspicious position despite some some really horrendous results this season but you just don't have the belief in them to to properly challenge for the title this season and if, if Solskjaer is to you know, see out the last year of his contract or at least enter the last year of his contract um, you'd think he needs either a collection of cups this season or he, he needs one significant trophy and out of the two significant trophies one of them is already gone. Yeah and it, it feels like he he did have that Midas touch in the big games like you say and, and this season even that has, has gone to, to inconsistent levels that word that we keep using what sort of setup can he can he go back to in this city game? Obviously, the five at the back working pretty disastrously against Leipzig. I don't think it's worked in a in a few big games actually more more recently. Obviously, it did it did have its its successes. It, has he got to go back to a more attacking um, output really and, and more of a brave, optimistic approach with with maybe Van der Beek in a deeper role or? getting rid of Matic and McTominay. I know they, they both started in midweek, but how do you see that that approach? I think his instinct would be not to go with a back three, but I, th- I actually think it would be understandable, again, if he, if he did go with one, but there have to be fundamental changes to the personnel um, in that you'd say you've got to put two and Zebi in there because, I mean, Maguire and Lindelof, just, just looking at the goals and some of the chances Leipzig had, the, the ball-watching um watching the ball, not watching the man, um, just how overwhelmed they were, the lack of, just the lack of pure athleticism about them was a real problem and, and was preyed upon by by Leipzig, who, uh, I mean, Wan-Bissaka is no slouch, but Angelino just, just made him look so, seemed to age him during during the first half in particular. Um, Tellez obviously being hooked last night, you'd think that there's, there's little chance of him starting in the derby. Fred has to come back in. McTominay, I, I think, has merit still starting the derby. I know Leipzig was, was difficult for him, but 
he was he was nowhere near as bad as Matic. I don't think you can just dismiss him after that game. It's it's that's that's the key. If you're to play like that at home, you need someone who's going to link um, the play other than Fernandez. And I think Fred is capable of doing that, but he would probably need someone like McTominay alongside him. And if you do that and you've got Fernandes ahead of you, you've probably got Rashford and Greenwood up front unless, I mean, I don't think anyone would think Marshall should be starting the derby anyway. Cavani, you're probably looking at as an impact sub and suddenly you're thinking, is that too defensive-minded again? So, and Pogba obviously has to come in the equation as well. Does he you know, take a principled stance or does he bite the bullet and and start a player who... Does not not only does he doesn't want to be there, but actually doesn't want to be there um, for much of January either. So it's surely you can't be relying on Pogba for a big game like like this. I mean, many fans would just say say that's really weak management if he if he does. It, it would be um, unless Pogba has a blinder and 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 they beat City, in which case he's completely vindicated. But a lot of those selections, those contentious selections, Solskjaer's been making of late are, are not coming off. Matic was was another one against Leipzig. Um, certainly, the, the I think the team he put out at West Ham, the front six, changing half of it, that that backfired very very badly. Um, and, and there are, I'd imagine, the majority of proper United supporters would rather see someone like Van der Beek or Fred start ahead of Pogba. But just purely because of Pogba's impact in Leipzig, he has to be, he has to be considered. Um, I, I, I wouldn't start him, um, but it's, it's just another one of those dilemmas that Solskjaer has. And I think, as we saw in Leipzig, a couple of injuries to the attack and his sheer lack of faith in the squad depth up front is exposed again. It's pretty clear that Odin Igalo is redundant and has been redundant for some time. It's pretty clear that United have, have had enough of Jesse Lingard. It's pretty clear that Daniel James is cannot be trusted either. I suppose the only one who's maybe unfortunate not to come on in that situation towards the end of the game was was Juan Mata because he is a proven game changer off the bench and he's he's had a reasonable season so far as well. But that's still not a lot of firepower firepower or enough firepower um, to contend with a couple of injuries to your attack. So suddenly you're looking at, does, does Facundo Palestri finally get some minutes later this month? What do they do when Ahmad Diallo, if Ahmad Diallo does come over in January, uh, provided they get that work permit? Uh, so but going back to the derby, I, I mean, as I said, I think the first instinct would be to go back to a back four and see and, and go from there. But it's... I still think it's dependent on Marshall and Cavani, which is not a great position to be in, given how bad Marshall has been this season. And with Cavani, absolutely, I think you'd kind of like to see him start in a derby. I think that could that'd be an occasion that he'd he'd really thrive in. But it's again, you've you've been reliant on a 33-year-old striker to. To, to pull you out of the mire. Yeah, exactly. And one who was obviously ruled out the Leipzig game through injury. I completely agree that I think four at the back and, and Cavani would give United just a different look about them, a bit more of an aggressive um, approach, which which might, you know, cow City into into some fear on, on the day. Um, I'm going to ask you for a prediction, Samuel. I know United games are absolutely impossible to predict at the moment, uh, although I did have a horrible feeling about the Leipzig game before it started. Uh, what do you... What do you think? Is, is this is this a win? Is this another classic Solskjaer bounce after after a poor result? What do you think? Uh, God, um, I I I'd probably go with City City winning. I mean, City have got the luxury of resting players for um, 
what will it have been? They played they played Fulham on Saturday, didn't they? And they've got a dead rubber against Marseille on, on Wednesday night. So yeah. their players will have had eight days to, you know, rest and get prepared for a derby. And they have got a good record at Old Trafford, um, despite the, the defeat in March. So I, I'd I'd go with the City win. I just think it's 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 gonna be quite hollow given that the last time supporters were present at Old Trafford, there was that roar that greeted McTominay's clincher, which is one of the loudest celebrations I've ever heard or witnessed at Old Trafford. And then you've got the absolute polar opposite of empty stands for a derby uh, this weekend. So um, if, if, if United are to lose a derby, I suppose it's... It's as, as, as good a derby to lose as any. Yeah, it might be a good time for a nil-nil one. We've not had a, a nil-nil derby in a few years, and since there's no fans, I think that might that might just suit everyone apart from Sky Sports, perhaps. But um, oh, for a McTominay uh, winner and a full crowd at Old Trafford, uh, United fans will be thinking. Um, but thank you very much, Samuel. That pretty much wraps up uh, today's podcast. United, obviously, facing City in this weekend's Manchester derby. You can read all the, the build-up and preview to that uh, on the Manchester Evening News. Um, and thanks for listening to this Manchester is Red podcast. Please leave us a like and a subscribe. And we'll be back very, very soon. Thanks for listening.